Christ, the agent and goal of God's creative act, reconciles all things through his death on the cross and presents believers acceptable to God if they stand firm in the gospel. In this week's sermon, you're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Felix Gilbert, from our current series, Christocentric. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like. That's a trip. Imagine if you walked up to a mirror and then you look at yourself and you, you know, you know how you ladies do? Fine, I'm going to pick somebody up today. And, you know, and you put on the right, you know, you put your hair right, you do all that stuff. And then you turn away from the mirror and go this way. And then two seconds later, you're like, wow, I forgot what I look like. Then you have to keep going back to the mirror. That doesn't happen, does it? You remember what you look like and you know your features, you know all that stuff. The scripture says that I just read to you, um, when you hear the word, don't just hear it and not do what it says. I want you all to hear me carefully this morning because we're going to read a lot and I'm going to say very little because I want you to walk out of here doing what you heard. Okay? And I'm going to give you some clue on how you're going to catch yourself not doing what you heard. Let me say this right now. So here's one clue. If you find yourself pointing at the other person versus pointing at yourself, you're not doing what you heard. If you find yourself blaming the other person and not trying to figure out what you can do to help them grow, you're not doing what you heard. Are you hearing me? If, if you find, oh, and let me put myself in it, if, if I find or we find ourselves frustrated with everything else around us, then we're not doing what we heard. Because I believe that God's word has great solutions to many of the world's problems. And if we learn to obey the word of God, life will be all right. We spent a lot of time studying this Christocentric stuff and putting Jesus at the center. So now, when we leave here today, we want to start living with Jesus at the center of our life. Okay? So this is going to sound shocking to you, but you can't impact Christ being the center of my life. So I can't go to God like Adam did in the Garden of Eden. It was that woman you gave me that made me sin. I can't say to him, it's that congregation that you allowed me to lead that caused me to sing. It's that wife you gave me. I can't say that to God. I have to take ownership for my behaviors, for my action, and how I adjust to the Word of God. Come on, let's say amen this morning. Are you with me? All right. So don't blame your boss. Don't blame your spouse. Don't blame your children. Don't blame your friends. Don't blame none of that stuff. It's our response to their actions that dictates where Christ really is in our lives. Let me illustrate. God left his home in glory in spite of everything that you and I did. And he still went to Calvary in spite of us. Right? Come on. 
Just think, how many times have you made God mad? Have I made God mad? How many times have I disobeyed him? How many times have I failed him? Yet in the midst of all of that, he still, he still loves me. Does this make sense? So go like this. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you can't go like that, you just look at the next person and says, I'm going to get there one day, but right now it's you and I'm working on me. Yeah. <laughs> Be honest with yourself, all right? I want you to meet this young man. Um, um, come on out here. Come here, Mike. I want you to meet Mike. I want, Mike is my sermon illustration, and I want him to, to I want you to hear uh, his story briefly. And I'm going to do my illustration up front. just want you to hear... Um, what God has done in his life and how Colossians um, has impacted him. And not so much this series. I mean, this has helped, but even before that, um, one of the reasons we're going through the book of the Colossians is two years ago, this guy kept pressing me to read Colossians chapter 2. I mean, he didn't know no other English. All he knew was Colossians 2, Colossians 2, Colossians 2. I'm like, dude, don't you know anything else? No, Colossians 2. You know, <laughs> there's other books in the Bible, Colossians 2, Colossians 2. So when we got to Colossians 2, he really got saved. He was like, hallelujah, thank you. The church is finally going to hear the word of the Lord. <laughs> yeah. So I'd be in Bible study on Wednesday night. He'd be like, Colossians 2. Those of y'all, come on Wednesday, Colossians 2, Colossians 2. So, so Colossians has really, really impacted your life, man. And, and I want you just to take a moment to, to share with our congregation, you know, um, who you used to be, where you are, what God has done, and what keeps you. All right? Just share a little bit, and then I'll talk. And if you take too long, I'll cut you off. Yeah, yeah. First of all. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I grew up in, in a somewhat normal family. Um, well, maybe not. I, I, I was uh, the youngest child of uh, uh, two parents who were married for almost 70 years. Yeah. Um, Youngest of 11. Face the front to the folk. There and, you go. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was the dysfunction in my family. Um, and so when I got old enough and big enough and bad enough to do what I wanted to do, that's just what I did. And uh, um, Satan had his hands on me for a minute. And, uh, but God also had his hands on me. Yeah. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I got into drugs and... You know, um, by the time I was 19 and, uh, you know, I was a late bloomer, so I did it hard and fast. And uh, you know, by the time I was 26, I was uh, dealing drugs and doing things I should not be doing and uh, uh, ended up in a car accident um, running from the police at 130 miles an hour. Uh, broke my neck. I got ejected from the car. Um, at, that was a hangman's fracture. I am not supposed to be here. Uh, let me back up. Four months, or five months before that, I had been stabbed in a fight and uh, bled out. Um, I knew that there was a God. Uh, I knew that uh, you know, God had his hands on me and uh, and I had, um, five years after the accident, uh, I had uh, had an encounter with five police officers, and uh, they won. 
They usually do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so what happened, uh, it, it changed my thinking immediately. I, I knew I needed to do something different. And uh, uh, I decided to serve the Lord. Yeah, um, amen. Of course, the state of Maryland decided to help me with my decision. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I wound up in a prison. Um, you know, um, you know, and um, and I got in touch with what God had for me, and uh, you know, um, and I read the Word, and I stayed in the Word, and it, it became alive in my life, and so um, you know, um, I had gone through a recovery program, and you know, and, and uh, you know, learned about you know addiction and all of that stuff, and. Uh, you know, God came to me as, as David, you know, and uh, he said, uh, you know, remember the stabbing, remember the broken neck. You know, um, this other giant called addiction um, would be just like one of those, you know, and, um, and he changed me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he changed me. And so, um, you know, I stumbled on... Uh, Colossians 2 about about 16, 17 years ago and uh, you know um, and, and when I had to look at that, first of all I had to go back with what has God already said first yeah. off in, in Romans 1 it says there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus so I had to take off the shame and I had to sh take off that guilt and all that stuff because I thought I was not worthy of the gift that he wanted to give me and so, um, he made me win. He made me worthy. Yeah. And so, um, a gift is not a gift until you take it. Yeah. You take ownership of it. And so, um, when he said, uh, in Colossians 2, that the fullness of Christ was in me, and I began to meditate on it. And as I began to meditate on it, I began to move in it, and it became real. Mm. You know, um, I haven't picked up a drug or a drink in 24 plus years. I'm restored recovered, free, yeah. you know. Um, see, the world says once an addict or an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you can't see it on me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christ, the fullness of Christ has dwelt in me Amen. as a result of getting a knowledge and an understanding of how God operates. Amen. And so um, today, Let me ask uh, a quick question. What, what is it about the book of Colossians that keeps you from going back? Yeah. I meditated on the fullness of Christ being in me. Mm, okay. And, and, and when that was revealed to me, there's no turning back. Yeah. You know, the, that power just resonates. And see, once I start, started talking and 
you know, speaking to myself and, and you know, um, in regards to that, uh, it started to resonate in my spirit and, 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 and it drove out all yeah. the things that were counter to, you know, yeah. counter to that. Amen. Show Mike some love, y'all. Amen. Thank you, man. Yeah. Isn't that something? So here, here, the reason I want Mike to share um, is if he can do it, you can do it. Yeah, yeah. That was the reason I wanted him to hear. I, I knew his testimony of a car accident. I met him several years ago when he was still in Maryland and knew what God has done. And it, I find it amazing that he can go to the truths of Scripture to keep himself from going back. Okay? And, and the reason I wanted to point that out is I just want to talk to you this one by way of application. Everything that I've taught you so far, you have the ability to do what Mike did. Okay? Um, I could have shared Katani and Mike's testimony of how God brought us and is keeping us. Um, and I could share many other testimonies in this congregation of people that God has brought, but he's keeping. But the thing, it's got to get to the place where you start doing this first. All right? Are you guys hearing me? I mean, are you hearing me this morning? We have to start doing this first. Make sure Christ is in you, the hope of glory, and you heard him say it, and you stay full with the presence of God dwelling in your life. Okay? And don't, don't fool yourself. I'm going to read some scripture and we're going to walk through some things. If God is there, you can do it. Quit giving up so much. Come on, church. Okay? In your marriages, in your home, in your life, quit giving up so much. I just want to encourage you this morning as we get to the end of the year because here's what's going to happen at the beginning of the year. Um, you're going to start making new resolutions about what you're going to do, what you're going to stop doing, what you're going to change. And I'm trying to tell you, you don't have to wait till the first of the year. We went through a whole lot that we talked about who Christ is. You can begin the day. Are you with me? That when the first of the year comes, it's just past stuff that you begin the transformation in your life that God would move and God would have his way in our midst. So repeat out to me. Say, self, self. Be, a doer, be a doer, not a hearer. One more time. Say, self, self. Be, a doer, be a doer, not a hearer. Okay. Now, we talked through some things. I, one of these guys can, I know, um, put the slides on the screen. I just kind of walk you through some stuff. I want to kind of walk through this. Next one. Go to the next one real quick. Um, and I want to show you some points if we can walk through it. Um, let's start there. Okay. So here's what I want to. I'm just going to talk through this and then I'm going to read and we're going to hear from God. Three big themes that we talked about in the book of Colossians so far. Number one, we talked about the supremacy of Christ. Who God is, he's Lord of the cosmos. He is Lord of the earthly realm. And then mostly he incarnated himself in coming down in fleshly form to dwell among us. So God is Lord over the demonic realm, over the cosmos, over the earth. He demonstrated that in Christ the fullness of God dwells and nothing can... Um, 
can defeat him. Let me just say it that way, okay? Then secondly, we notice that we were reconciled to represent Christ. When we look at the back end of chapter 1, all that Colossians hymn stuff is that God came and he brought you back out. Okay, very, very important concept for what I'm about to read is that he came and he snatched you from the grips of the enemy and brought you back into a right relationship with him. So if you're saved this morning, just repeat after me. Say, I have been reconciled to represent Christ. One more time. Say, I've been reconciled to represent Christ. Now, here's the last thing, and then I'm going to read what I'm going to read. The last theme that we've been talking about is the term that I call you victorious in Christ. And what that means, you are fighting from a position of victory. Guys, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. We've already won, okay? Now, even if it doesn't feel like it, you need to know you've already won. Very, very important. God did not ask us to engage in this life without empowering us on how to make it, okay? So we read some important things in chapter 2 on the back end where he defeated the, em the enemy and he took everything away from them. Matter of fact, let me read that for you. Back up to chapter 2. Um, and let me just read, read this piece. I want you all to see this really, really uh, quick. Look at verse 11. Chapter 2, verse 11. Then we're going to walk through it. And then I am just going to read Scripture, and then we'll be done this morning. Chapter 2, verse 11. Say amen if you're there. Look at what it says. It says, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the flesh and by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13, very, very important. And you who were dead in your trespass and uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespass, verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands, and he set aside, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Verse, I look at that verse, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Let me sound like a broken record before I move on. God went into the enemy's locker room and he took all their equipment away, all their playbook, all their everything. He disarmed them so they can have no impact on us as believers in Christ. Say amen if you get that. Okay, I'm going to say it several ways for what I'm about to read to you on the back end of, of the scripture. So there is nothing, there is absolutely nothing on the face of the earth that Satan could do to cause me to fail God. I want you to hear me. If I fail God, it's not because the devil made me do it, it's because I chose to obey him. Come on, y'all, I want to be clear on that. Are you hearing me? Because the text says all he can do is act as if he's equipped. All he can do is act as if he has authority over me. All he can do is act as if he has access to me and he can put up this big facade. But if I know who I am and if I know that God defeated him on that cross of Calvary and if I know that I have been victorious over Christ, he can set up whatever run and play, whatever pass and play, whatever he wants to do. There is nothing 
nothing he can do to cause me to fail God. If I fail God, it's because I wanted to, not because he made me do it. Is this making sense, guys? I feel I just need to say it one more time so we can connect to understand where we're going because I'm about to read some things to you, okay? So let me, let me, say, let me say it one more time because somebody just missed it. And I'm going to say it by way of illustration. In the book of Job, we have an illustration of an individual who understood this, and this was even pre-Calvary, even prior to Calvary. And the enemy went up to God's meeting, and God said, where have you come from, Satan? He says, from going to and fro the earth, trying to find, um, and, and I've conquered it. So God said, him, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, yeah, I thought about him and I tried to get him, but he's got this Christocentric thing down pat. Yeah, he does. He says he's got it down pat. Matter of fact, he got it down so pat that he's got sense enough to stay with inside the perimeters of the hedge and I can't access him. Are you with me? So then Satan messed around, negotiated with God, went lower the hedge and watch what I'm going to do. And God said, listen, he's so Christocentric, even if I lower the edge, he's not going to come out. Because I wish I had somebody in here. And the enemy realized there was absolutely nothing he could do to cause Job to turn his back on God. If you think you've gone through something, listen to this. He bankrupted Job. He killed all of Job's family. He took Job's saving account. Come on. He messed up his house. He, 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 his inheritance, anything that Job had. And nobody in here has gone through a Job situation. But in the midst of that, Job realized there is nothing the enemy could do to cause him to turn his back on God. And I wish I had one witness in here that's blaming the enemy for stuff that they really can't do to you. You hadn't lost nothing like Job has lost anything. Never once did you hear Job say, oh, the enemy's on my back. Never once. Never once. Here's how he said it. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of, yeah, y'all know it quite well. In the midst of sickness, he had boils, come on, come on, to the point of death. Everybody around him was saying, Job, you must have sinned real bad, and God is punishing you. He said, y'all better get out of my face. The God I serve doesn't, I wish I had somebody in here. And listen, Job got to the place where he says, it must have been something about me that God was trying to work out. Ah. <sighs> Church, hear me this morning. For those of you that are married, I'm going to read this in a little while. Quit trying to make your spouse the enemy. Quit trying my job. Are you hearing me? Keep him at the center. You are more than a conqueror. Learn how, I know we've been missing this, but I'm going to say it this way. Chapter 2, verse 16. Rooted, built up, establishing your faith. And here's the part that we don't like. Always giving thanks to God. So here's what that means. There's nothing that should happen in your life that you can't thank God for if the perspective is right. I like Mike's testimony. State of Maryland helped me get it right. 
He didn't say the man's always trying to get a brother down. Took ownership. You kind of get what I'm saying? Is this making sense, guys? Let's read. Let's read. Let's read. Go to chapter 3. And, and we're going to walk you through this. And um, the outline is out there um, on version, And I trust that you all get it down because I'm just going to do it in way of... Um, Here's the three things I want to read real quick, okay? And then we're going to walk through this. This is how the remainder of this book is set up. Develop, number one, a heavenly mindset. Stop living after the things of this world. And then thirdly, live together in Christian harmony. So let me, let me read the first one for a little while. Um, and if you guys can take that down, I'll ask you to put it back up. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. If you have been raised with Christ. That's, that's a mouthful right there. Um, let me explain that real quick. Not, not, not if you know Christ, not if you have an idea of who he is, but if or since you have been raised with Christ. Let me tell you why that statement is important. Because if you died with him, he's able to raise you. Talking about salvation. On the cross of Calvary, when Christ was circumcised in the flesh, they put his body in the ground, spirit went to the Lord... Then the spirit came back and he had a resurrected body, which means a brand new body. So here's what the text is saying. At the point of our salvation, if indeed we surrendered our life to Christ and we have been raised with him, the person that I see now, the person that you see now, is not the old person. Come on, y'all. It's the new person. All right? This is how some of us say it in Christianity. Y'all better be glad I've been changed. Because if it was old me, girl, please. You better thank God he got a hold of my tongue because some stuff be coming out right about now. That's the new you. So I'm saying that to say we are all fully cognizant that we are new people. We just don't act like it. Are you with me? So since we've been raised with Christ, look at the first thing it says now, okay? Develop a heavenly mindset. Seat the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. Retrain the mind. Set the mind on things that are above, not on things that are where. Very, very important. Come on, one more time. Set the mind on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. And look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also do what? Appear with him in glory. Put the slide back up on the screen. I want you to see that. I want being after the things of the world. Now, everybody say that. Say, self. self. Stop pursuing worldly things. Now, let me, let me say a caveat here. I'm not saying it's a sin to have nice things. I'm not saying it's a sin to want to prosper and to excel in life. I am not saying it's a sin to want to have a nice home and a good job and nice clothes. I am not saying that. What I am saying is don't make those things first in your life. Are you with me? Because, and, and don't ever have those things competing for a place with God in your life. Okay? Now, you've heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it now. Put that one back up real quick. Okay. This is very, very important because this is a huge problem in the church. Let me explain, then we're going to move on. A lot of us say that we have a heavenly mindset, number one, and we say we're not pursuing the things of the world, number two, but it's not really true. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you can't tithe 10% of your income, number two, is not true to you. 
Are y'all in there quiet? Because there's other things that's more important than God. They're real quiet. Don't be hard on yourself. No, we're all growing, okay? We're all growing. I said that last week. Don't let nobody judge you. Into it. You remember me saying that, okay? But it's just a measurable. I need to grow more there, okay? Um, so lock into number five. Let me read that, and then I'm going to read verse 12. Number Look at verse five. So put to death, therefore, what is earthly where? In you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, uh, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Verse 6, on account of, the, of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you lived where? In them. So here's what's happening. We're growing out of it. We're growing out of it. So if you're not a giver or a tither, begin with 1%, grow to 2%. Grow to, you kind of get what I'm saying? Begin someplace, but be consistent. Here is the beauty of, of, and I know I said a harsh thing that might be convicting some of you all. In the New Testament, there's this story where um, the scribes and Pharisees came to put their tithes and offering in the, in the offering plate. And folk was putting a whole lot of money based on what they had. This one lady didn't have much, and she put a little mite in. And God stopped and looked into the offering plate and said, this lady has given more. Okay, let me tell you what I mean by that. If all you can afford to give God is a penny, give him the penny, but be consistent. Can we be honest, guys? And then begin the growth process, okay? Because you're saying to him, God, I'm turning things around. I'm turning things around, okay? Um, let's keep going here. Verse 8, it says, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, mal wrath malice, slander, and obs obscene talk from your mouth. Lord have mercy. That's a whole lot of us, yeah. Verse 9. Do not, what's that word? Y'all say it real loud. Do not, do not what? Okay. Seeing that you have put off. The old self with its practices and have put on what? The new self. And I like this, this, this moving verb, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here it says there is no Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave free. But, in, but Christ is all and where? Very, very, very important. Okay. Put the slide back up. Let me, I want to see the point. Look at now. Live together how? Come on, everybody got to say, live together how? Okay. Stop calling. Well, let me make sure I'm in this. We need to stop calling ourselves believers in Christ and have issues with each other. Pam, if I'm a believer and you're a believer, we ought not have issues. Are you with me? Because if you get on my nerve, I ought to tell you. That way it's off mine and it's on yours. You know, no, just, no, 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 no. But I need to deal with it. We ought to be able to lovingly confront each other. Is that fair, guys? Because we know what we can do. So let's read. Look at verse, look at verse 12. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Like verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against the other, do what? Forgiving each other, how? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also what? My goodness. Believers in Christ can't talk. Family members that name the name of Christ can't talk. But we believe in what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. Fix it. Amen? Amen. Verse 14, above all these things, put on love which binds together which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Look at this next one. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanks, thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word and deed, do everything how? In the name of the Lord. Look at this again. Doing what? Giving thanks to God the Father through what? Okay. Does everybody get that? Okay, put the next slide up on the screen. Uh, next one real quick. Now, here's what I want to talk through. Real quick and we're going to move. Household codes. Let me tell you what that means. And a lot of the um, New Testament passages, specifically the epistles like Timothy, Titus, contain a lot of what we're going to call household codes. Let me tell you what that means. It means how we ought to conduct ourselves at home, in the church, at work, as business owners, and as employees. Bible covers it all, doesn't it? Okay. So, so notice what it says. Number one, husbands um, love. Oh, I forgot the wife submit part. That's important. How could I do that? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Yes, that's like not cool. Um, <laughs> we'll hit that real quick. Parents um, and children, it talks about relationship, employees to bosses, and business owners to managers. So let's read all the way from 18 to 1. Let me show you all this in Scripture. And Wednesday we're going to walk to this. Okay. Oh, there it is. It's in the Scripture. just wasn't on the screen. I knew it was in there. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was in there. Yeah, yeah. All the fellas, all the fellas, all the fellas in unison, okay, together. Say, wife, submit to your husband. Wife, submit to your husband. Some of y'all sitting by your wife. I ain't saying that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, y'all, y'all like, it's in the scripture, y'all. Come on, come on, let's say it together. Come on, fellas. Wives, wives, submit to your husband. Very, very important statement, okay? Now, if you want that to happen, okay, um, notice what it says, as it's fitting to the Lord. Now, women, I need every woman to say, husband, love your wife. Say it again, women. See how loud they said that, fellas? What that means is we're not loving them so they can't submit. That's what that means. Uh, come on, y'all. Okay. And I wish I had time. <laughs> you be quiet. You just stay out of this. Uh, <laughs> I wish I had time to deal with this because we're going we're gonna to talk about this. I, and I was gonna, what I was going to do here, and we might do this the first part of next year, is Katani and I were going to share. Um, let me tell you what I've learned in my house. I... I Excuse the time. Let me tell you what I've learned in my house. Unless she's crazy or schizophrenic, if she's going through something that's impacting me, more times than often is something I've done. I'm learning that, Derek. I am. I'm learning that. I'm learning that. Because I know the brothers disagree. Come Saturday at men's meeting, we'll flesh it out. Um, let me tell you why I'm saying that. Let me tell you why I'm saying that. Because in my house, I am the priest and the God representative. My responsibility at home is to keep the presence of God in my house. That's my responsibility. You kind of get what I'm saying? So if there's behaviors in my house that's not reflective of the heart of God, they're looking at their God representative and seeing something that's unlike God. And it's mandating a behavior because God wouldn't do that. Are you with me? Is this? So when she says, can you rub my back? And I said, no, you didn't rub my foot. 
That's not behaving like God. So I can't expect her to submit. Okay, so here's the check, fellas. This Christocentric thing, it begins with you. Then it flows through her. You guys all right? Come on, y'all. Okay? Very, very important. We, we're going to work through that. Okay? So let me keep going before I get in trouble with the brothers. They don't look at me like, what's up, man? I thought we were cool. Okay, look. <laughs> Husband, love your wife. And do not be, what's the word? Harsh. You're going to get them? Girl, you're the most finest thing on the face of the earth. Look at you. You're just, you just a mama. Shoot, please. Go, girl. You know you got it like that. Best cook. Best everything. Let me stop making y'all jealous. Um, so, kids, listen to this. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Is Eddie in here? Veronica, y'all all in here? Okay. <laughs> obey your parents in everything. Okay. This is, uh, next year we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become one. Same principle with the spouse. Dad, we have an obligation to be God through them, God to them. They're looking at you. They're looking at you. Now, here's the challenge with that, dads. Sometimes you raise those jokers in the best way you know how, and then they rebel. Doesn't that sound like us and God, though? God raises us the best way we know how that we rebel. Love them through it. Love them through it. Love them through it. Because a lot of time what we want to do is we want to correct and discipline, and we discipline out of love because we are frustrated. Ask yourself, is God frustrated or does God know exactly where they are and treat them the way God would treat them? Such that when they come to themselves, they can come home. Are you? Come on, y'all. All right. Okay, let's go to this one. Bond servants. Okay, here's who bond servants are. Those of you that work for somebody, because in the day they had slaves, today we don't have slaves. So if you have a job and a boss, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, doing what? Fear in the Lord. Verse 23, wherever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. Real quick, real quick. You know how we go to work and the boss leaves and we just goof off? Scripture says stop it. Yeah. Act like God who is the master is watching you the whole time. Everybody okay with that? I'm going to let the text speak for itself. Um, let me read the next one. Masters, now if you are an employee or a business owner or a boss or a manager, masters treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master that's what? In heaven. Last, go to the next slide real quick. Last two and then we're going to wrap this up. So develop a consistent prayer life. Come on, say pray consistently. One more time, say prayer consistently. And then be wise in your example in the world. Say that with me. Let me tell you what those two things said. Let me start with the bottom one. When you leave here today, based on what you know, don't let the world look at you and not see Christ. Hear me carefully. It doesn't matter what they do to you. You know how many times... I've been driving down the road and somebody does something crazy and I want to do like the world does. And I can't. 
you have an obligation that when they see you, they see Jesus at the center. Are you hearing me this morning? Okay. Now you know, before we might not have known, in our business dealings, in our transactions, in our homes, in our life, people have an obligation to see Jesus at the center. Let me read, and then we're going to stop. Verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, and at the same time, pray for us or me, which is our elders, leaders, that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Verse 4, that I may make clear, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Look at 5. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech, how often? Always, Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The remaining of chapter 4 is Paul's conclusion, giving thanks, saying all that stuff. So here's what this looked like. Chapter 1 and chapter 2, he laid down some heavy theology by way of Christ being at the centric, um, a Christocentric perspective that talks about how we're saved, all that good stuff. He went through all of that. And then in chapter 3 on, after the locker room speech, he says, get ready to go out and play the game. And here's how you do it. Keeping Jesus at the center. Keeping Jesus at the center, keeping Jesus at the center. I'm learning more and more the longer I stay married that my marriage is more healthy when I look introspectively and not, ex what's it, externally. So when Pascatani's going through something and she's upset with me, I am learning not to lash back. So I'm learning to look at it this way. What can I do to appease her, to win her back in. That's what God did for us. Okay? Women, let's flip this. When he gets to tripping, don't trip with him. Figure out what you can do to win him back in. And if... All of us together in our interpersonal relationship, come on worship team, keeps Jesus at the center, we'll be all right. We will be all right. Come on, y'all. This is how you live this out, okay? So it's not just hearing, and I know a bunch of scripture. I think Pat asked me a question about this, and I can quote a million scriptures. And I could, it's not about that. It's not about having sound theology and knowing who God is and all this stuff. But then when I find myself in the game, I get penalized every time because they keep calling penalties on me because I'm the one pushing the player. I should take the hit. As believers, we should take the hit. We've got to get good at that. Not saying that we're wimps, not saying we're soft. But we're doing it because Christ is, the, is at the center and God took the hit for us. He took the hit. He took the hit. So I'm sensing if we heard what was said and we're going to do what it says, if you're human like me, sounds like it's going to call for a whole lot of apologizing. A whole lot of, Lord, forgive me. 
Lord, give me a new start. So I want to end this series this way. Just in a time of worship, just to um, say, God, we want to put you back at the center. We want to know you like that. We want to say to you, God, we appreciate you. Thank you for Calvary. And the world, as the Colossian heretics, are trying to deter us or turn us away from how we ought to live this life. We have the love of God in us. If there's anybody that can love, it ought to be us. Come on, say amen if you believe that. So here's my prayer. Teach me to love like you, God. It's my prayer. Teach me that when the world sees me, they can love like you love God. True story. We've been trying for several weeks now to get these shirts together. And um, we gave one shop a deposit to get the shirt printed. And um, when we went to pick up the shirts, the shop had a sign on it that says, Seize for tax purposes. Yeah, not good. And so, um, really prayed, Lord, be the center of my life. That's <laughs> folks tithe money. You know what I mean? It was like, I really prayed. I didn't even tell the elders about this because they'd be like, what kind of folk you dealing with? <laughs> you know? So, Eddie went and searched all over the place and he found another company. And we gave them the order to print the shirts. Friday morning, we get a call saying the shirts are done. So I go to pick them up and see how it says Christocentric, Christocentric across the front. It had a little spot like this that says Christocentric. And the guy said, look at the shirt, see how you like them. And he pulled one out and my head did a 360. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of went around. And then by the time it got back to the front, it was smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, that's wrong, dude. Um, Ooh, somebody messed up. And we go, you know, back and forth. And then I explained to the guy why we wanted the shirts, what we wanted to do, and the importance of the thing being across the front. And he's like, you know how expensive that's going to be and how much that's going to cost me to fix? And I'm just looking at him and I'm being polite and courteous and then... The shop closed at 2, and this was about 1.30, 1.45. He went in the back, and he told his entire staff, nobody leave. Um, we're going to fix this problem. Really. And so he said, I'm going to call you in a few hours, and we'll take care of it, and then uh, we'll call you guys back. So we were in here doing some work, and he called back, and I went back to pick them up after they were fixed. And he showed me how much it cost to fix it, to do all that kind of stuff. And then the guy kind of in his own way said to me, I like what it means. And I like the interaction we had. So no charge to the church, no nothing. Love covers a multitude of sins. A soft answer turns away 
Right. Yeah, come on, we know the scripture. We know the scripture. We know the scripture. We know the scripture. Colossians, deep theology that ends with practical behavior because of what happened on Calvary. Okay? I wanted Mike up here because I wanted you to see an extreme of the importance of what this thing can do in your life. Okay? That if we put it to practice, God really can deliver. The problem is not God and his ability, it's us walking it out. Here's what Mike said. A gift is no good if you don't accept it. It took me a lot of years to believe the truth and the reality of the gift before I decided to accept it in my life. And I'm still learning how to live it out. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. Thanks for watching this week's sermon. If this is your first time watching one of the RCF sermons, we encourage you to get connected to a church, whether that's here at RCF or a local church around you. If you want to hear more sermons from RCF, you can do so by subscribing to our iTunes podcast or visiting our website. Our website, you can also donate to this ministry online to help support this ministry in impacting and reaching the world. You can also follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram to stay up to date with what's happening here at RCF.